Have you ever noticed that it's really hard to find a really healthy family in the Bible? I mean, when, when you look through Scripture, uh, when you're looking for a really healthy family in Scripture, it's pretty difficult to find. But it's really easy to find some really dysfunctional, messed up families in the Bible. I mean, just think about it for a moment. The first family, Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God in such a devastating way that it caused devastating consequences for all of humanity. And then their firstborn son, Cain, killed his younger brother, Abel, and then Cain ran for his life and became the world's first fugitive. Pretty messed up. Think about Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was the father of faith and the father of two great nations. His wife, Sarah, was grieving over infertility. And in the middle of her grief, she made a really dumb decision. She gave her servant, Hagar, to her husband, Abraham, so Hagar could have their surrogate child. And Abraham goes along with it. He's like, so you want me to sleep with your maidservant, Hagar, so that she can carry a child for us? And he doesn't stop and say, that's wrong. That will be destructive to me and to you and to our marriage. It's not trusting God. And I know you're grieving, Sarah. You're not thinking real clearly right now, so I've got to step up and save you from yourself. No. Instead, he says, so you want me to sleep with your maidservant? Okay, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. I'm sacrificing for you, sweetheart. I mean, and once the child is born... Sarah goes into these fits of jealous rage and she abuses Hagar and sends her away, not caring if she and the child die in the desert. And all the while this sordid affair is going on, Abraham is the worst thing a man can be. Passive. He's a passive man through it all. He's saying, I'm staying out of this one. I don't wanna make Sarah angrier than she already is. Yeah, I can't do anything about this one. I'm just a pawn in the great game of life. I'm just a little cog in the wheel. That's dysfunction. Think about Isaac and Rebecca. They had twin boys. The father played favorites with the oldest, Esau. He liked him best, and he let it be known, while the mother liked the youngest son, Jacob, the best. So they created the greatest sibling rivalry of all time, Jacob and Esau. And think about Joseph, the prince of Egypt. His father gave him this beautiful, expensive coat that he didn't give to any of his other sons. And so Joseph's brothers were so jealous of him, they plotted to kill him. Until the oldest brother, Reuben, intervened, and he tries to impart some dysfunctional wisdom to the rest of the family. And he says, we can't kill our own brother. Let's just sell him to Egyptian slave traders and tell our father a wild animal ate him. That's what we'll do. And everyone says, great idea, Reuben, you're so wise. Talk about dysfunctional. And then you take wise King Solomon who unwisely married over a thousand women. Do I need to say anything else about that one? I mean, why is the Bible filled with all these really messed up dysfunctional families? Well, first, I think it's because all families are dysfunctional to some degree. I mean, you take selfish, sinful people who have different perspectives and different personalities and different needs, you put them in close quarters, and that's a recipe for dysfunction. But I think the bigger reason why the Bible speaks loudly about dysfunctional families and doesn't speak so much about healthy families is because God's purpose is to bring you into a closer relationship with him. God's purpose is to bring you into a deep connection with himself, because he's the only one who can meet your deepest needs, those needs of meaning and fulfillment and joy that no human being can meet. And you can never really learn to depend on God unless you realize how powerless you are to overcome your sins and your problems and all of your messes. And sometimes God will allow something in your family or your marriage that you can't fix on your own. Sometimes God allows a family to get so messed up by their mistakes that it causes them to realize how much they need God. We can't solve this problem in our marriage. We can't fix this issue in our family. This is just too painful. This is too difficult. This is a mess. We're gonna need a miracle. And then we cry out to God and we surrender to God's power and his grace and love and his peace that passes understanding fills our hearts. 
and he meets us in our deepest broken places, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the brokenness, in the middle of the confusion, we find peace. We find ultimate fulfillment that we can only find with him. You see, it's your family, the people closest to you, that push you toward God the most in both good ways and bad ways. And really, every family is dysfunctional to a degree because every person is dysfunctional to a degree. We all have character flaws and sins and faults and weaknesses and struggles, but it's not the dysfunction that destroys a relationship. Hear me on this. It's not the dysfunction that destroys a family or a relationship. It's not dealing with the dysfunction. It's denial that destroys the relationship. Most husbands and wives, when they first get married, I mean, they picture their marriage is gonna be perfect. You know, and that all their friends are gonna look at all the pictures on social media and say, wow, they've got a perfect marriage. I'm jealous. But it doesn't work out that way. And every husband and wife starts to think that, you know, when they have kids, this, we're gonna have a perfect family. They've got this image in their mind of what a perfect family is, what a perfect marriage is. They, they got this image that our kids are gonna be perfect. That's just denial. How do you know when you're in denial? Well, you say things like, we're not gonna make the same mistakes that our parents made. Now, we're gonna do it differently than they did. We're gonna do it perfectly. We, we're, we got it all figured out. We know exactly what we're gonna do. Or you look at some dysfunctional family and you say, wow, they're messed up. I'm so glad we're not gonna be like that. That's denial. You see, it's not the dysfunction that destroys relationships. It's not dealing with that dysfunction. In fact, it's dysfunction that God often uses to take us to the deepest levels of connection. Sometimes you can't get there without the dysfunction because it pushes us toward God and we need his power to go to the deepest places in our relationships. And so that's what we're talking about today because no family gets to dodge dysfunction. But that's a good thing because it is the very dysfunction many times that God uses to take us deeper. We just kicked off the series last weekend and I'm calling it Diving Deeper. It's going beneath the surface with God and others. God wants you to go beneath the surface, to go to new depths where you're more known and you're more loved. You can only be loved to the extent that you're known. You can only be completely loved if you're completely known. And we wanna be known and loved and yet, we're afraid to be known because we think if we're known, we won't be loved. And it creates all kinds of problems in our relationships. The Bible calls it fellowship, this loving and being loved at the deepest level. And that's what God wants in his relationship with you. He wants you to experience his love because he knows everything about you. He knows you completely, so he loves you completely, knowing the good, bad, and the ugly. God loves you completely, but he wants you to get to know him more to fall more in love with him. He, he wants you to have fellowship in your closest relationships. That's what church is all about, it's fellowship. It's, hey, we know we don't have it all together, but we're following the one who does. And we're encouraging each other. We're supporting each other, and we're growing together in, in fellowship, where we don't have to hide our struggles at church. We don't have to pretend like we got it all together at church. We can just be totally genuine and totally real and go to the one who does have it all together and we can find healing in those deepest places in our lives. God wants you and your closest relationships to experience fellowship, loving and being loved at the deepest level. So let's look at what fellowship is as we are really just getting into this series. Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter one and would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church and Wherever you're worshiping from, we're so glad that you're here. And we're built on the word of God. It changes lives, it changes relationships. It was amazing last night, the Saturday night service, how God moved and so many lives and hearts and relationships were changed. God wants to do miracles today. And many times he takes the mess and he works best in the mess and works a miracle from it. 
So just follow along with me. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth, but if we're living in his light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Dear God, I thank you that you want us to experience fellowship. And Lord, to do that, we have to walk in the light. We have to shine some light, Lord, on some dysfunctional issues in our lives. We can't pretend like we're different from everybody else, that we don't have struggles, we don't have sins and faults and flaws. And Lord, we just have to come into the light and in the light we find the warmth of your love. But Lord, I know as we walk into that light, sometimes we feel the shame and we want to pull back into the darkness because we feel like we're unlovable. But Lord, I pray today that we would just walk into the light. We would feel the light of your love, that you know everything about us and you love us completely. And Lord, I just pray right now for relationships that are on the surface, that have been stuck at the surface, that you would work a miracle today and you would just break through, Lord. So that relationship, Lord, starts to sink deep in safety and security and love and truth and your power. Take, Lord, the messes in our lives and relationships and work miracles from them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. The deeper you dive into the ocean, the more light you have to provide to be able to see anything. As you go deeper in the ocean, light is diffused, and before you know it, you have to go too deep when you can't see anything. And so those explorers who take those uh, robotic submersibles and take them to the deepest levels, those submersibles have to have all kinds of lights, high-powered lights, so that they can see and discover And it's the same in fellowship. The deeper you go in a relationship, the more light you have to shine on your dysfunctional issues in your life and relationship. The deeper you go in a relationship, the more light and truth is needed to be able to shine a light on your faults and your struggles and your weaknesses and your true feelings, all all those things have to come into the light. And God says the only way you can have fellowship is you have to walk in the light. But we naturally want to hide, especially the things in our lives that we're not too proud of. And we want to pretend we put on an image. But God says, I just want you to walk in the light. When you walk in the light in those closest relationships, then you can experience fellowship. You see, our greatest need is deep and lasting connection. You were created for deep and lasting connection, a deep and lasting connection with God, deep connections with the people closest to you, marriage, family, friendship, church. It's all about fellowship. But we get distracted from the deep because our culture does just about everything it can to keep us in a shallow place in relationships. Our culture is always working against deep relationships. In our overcrowded, busy, chaotic culture, this multitasking culture where we're taught that we can have it all and everything can be perfect in our lives, we buy into that just a little bit. It keeps our relationships on the surface level because you can't skim on relationships. It takes time to develop a deeper relationship. For those of you who are married, you can't spend five minutes a day talking to each other and expect to have fellowship in the marriage relationship. It's not gonna work. You can't skim on relationships. And you were made to have this deep connection. You were made to have deep connections with some people in your life. God made you for that, and we get so distracted that our relationships 
stay on the surface level, we get distracted from the deep things that really matter. We don't even realize how much we need them. And then we wonder why it feels like our soul is drying up. It feels like we're totally empty on the inside. I mean, we're so busy, we're doing so many things, but there's no fellowship. We're not cultivating any fellowship in our lives. It's like a lawn in the heat of summer. If you want it to be green, you've gotta water it. In marriage, the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener wherever you water it. You see, whatever you water grows. If you water your work, if you're always watering your work and pouring everything into your work or into your hobbies, whatever you water, it grows. If you water your worries, your worries grow. You gotta be careful what you water. But if you water everything else, but you don't water your relationships with time and energy and intentional actions, those relationships will dry up and your soul will dry up. The grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. It's greener wherever you water it and whatever you water grows. You better be careful what you water. And many times we're watering a lot of things that are kind of important, but we're not watering the most important thing. And that's those closest relationships. You were created for deep and lasting connection. And if you're not watering, then your soul's drying up. And those relationships will start drying up because they have to be watered. That's why a church family is so important. It's so important for you to connect to a church family. It's God's will for your life. The Bible tells us that we're to be in a local church family. The word membership comes from the Bible. We're to be members of Christ's body. We have membership in Christ's body when we connect to the body of Christ. The Christian life is not just about believing, it's about belonging. We believe in Jesus Christ and we have salvation. Then we belong, we commit to membership in a local church family. It's believing and belonging. And you've got to water that. You know, sometimes I talk to people who just kind of bounce around from church to church and they never really commit to any church because they say, well, you know, I like this church for this, I like that church for that, and I just can't, I, I just have to admit, I haven't found the perfect church for us. I mean, you know, that one has this problem, this one has that problem. It seems like every church we go to just isn't right, and it's really sad, it's really hard to find a good church that's really perfect, and you see, Wilden's church is not a perfect church because it's filled with imperfect people. That's what the church is, the church is people. And so, you choose to connect to a church and then you water it and you water it. You serve and you get connected to a life group and your needs get met and God begins to work in your life and in your relationships and, and you get connected in mission and you begin to invest your time, your talent and your treasure and you water this so important commitment and everything changes. And we have our membership class today at one o'clock. And I think over 250 people are signed up. I teach the class, it's right here in the auditorium. You can go eat lunch, come back, and one o'clock from one to three, we take care of your kids. Or we serve lunch too, so you could just come to lunch here. And, and then it's all about the vision of Woodland Church and what Woodland Church is all about. And there's so many great churches in this area, but you've gotta pick one and you've gotta join one. You pick it and you join it, and if you're here, it probably means you need to join Woodland Church and get out of the stands and into the game and make that commitment because you were made for deep and lasting connection. And God says that it's part of his plan that you join a local church family. If you're a Christian and you're not a member of a local church, you're out of God's will. So you need to pick one, you need to join one and get connected. And for those of you who are looking for the perfect church, I'll tell you right now, we're not the perfect church, okay? But when you find the perfect church, don't you dare join it because you will ruin it because you're messed up, okay? If you ever find it, please don't mess it up. But you're welcome here. There's a lot of messes here. We're, you know, we're imperfect here. But we're following the one who is perfect. And so you water it because whatever you water grows. And some of you are wondering why you feel like your soul is just drying up because you were made for deep and lasting connections. If you've been watering everything else but your relationships, then your relationships will start drying up. Your soul will start drying up. 
You see, our greatest need is deep and lasting connection. Most people don't realize that, and they just wonder why they feel like their soul is drying up, why they feel empty on the inside, why there seems to be something more out there. And we don't have time for deep and lasting relationships and commitments to be in a life group, to be a member of a church family. We don't have time for that. We're just too busy doing a lot of other things that don't matter. And our greatest fear is losing connection. This is so important. Since our greatest need is for deep connection, when we feel like we're starting to lose connection or or feel distance between us and a loved one or a a really close relationship, then a primal fear sort sort of kicks in, in this fear of losing connection. That's when we do all kinds of dysfunctional things in relationships that push the relationship even further apart, create even more distance because we care so much about the relationship and there's just something in us because God created us for connection and if we feel like we're starting to lose connection and there's distance in a relationship we care about so much, that's when we start doing really dysfunctional things because of fear. We're afraid of losing connection and we don't even realize that's what it is. This emotional thing just comes up in us and And it's a good thing because you were made for connection and our greatest fear is losing connection. It's good in some ways, but you gotta realize that the deep issue at the root of almost all marriage problems is the fear of losing connection. And most couples don't realize that. They think it's a communication issue or they think you know it's a problem with the in-laws or we've got financial issues or we disagree about parenting or all these things, and so they focus on those issues that they're arguing about, but they don't realize the deep root issue of it all is the fear of losing connection. And if you don't realize that the root is the fear of losing connection, you'll keep doing surface level things that will push the relationship further and further apart. We sabotage ourselves by doing things that prevent us from getting the very thing that we want the most, that we were created for, deep and lasting connection. After our grandson Jude Samuel went to be with the Lord, one of the things that Chris and I did of many things to really help honor Jude and constantly remind us of all the lessons that that little one taught us is we got a tree in our backyard that we dedicated to Jude. We planted a tree and it was a beautiful red maple tree that we planted in the backyard and and the arborist said, hey, you gotta really water this tree at first. I mean, it's hot and you gotta really take care. You gotta water it every day and be on top of that. And so that tree was so important to me and because it honored Jude. And so every day I would go out there and I would water that tree. And there would be sometimes at the end of a long day, I would you know, go to bed and then I remember, oh, I forgot to water Jude's tree. And I'd get back up and go outside and I would water that tree in the middle of the night because I wasn't gonna miss that because it was so important to me. And I'd think about it all the time. I'd go water Jude's tree. And I I just watered that tree. I took care of that tree. I cared so much about that tree. And then the tree started to die. And I was horrified. And I called the arborist over. He looked at it for about five minutes. He said, this tree has been overwatered. The roots have been drowned. And I go, oh, I felt terrible. Yeah, I cared so much that I overwatered it. And many times in our closest relationships, when we care so much and we have this fear of the relationship dying or creating some distance, we don't even know it's that fear, but it starts rising up within us when distance starts coming. And and it comes out in ways that we care, we're trying to do the right thing, but we overwater because we're trying to fix it our way. We don't even realize what's truly happening. You see, many times we kill the relationship when we want it to grow closer, but we do things that just push it further and further away and create more and more distance because we don't realize it all comes down to the fear of losing connection. And so I wanna share with you five things, real simple, brief things that will change everything if you apply these biblical principles. First, you gotta remember the real issue is the fear of connection. That's the real issue. First John 4.18 says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Well, we're human in our flesh. We don't have perfect love, and so we have these fears that rise up in us, and we need to recognize that. But God's love and his power can overcome that. 
In James 4.1, it says, where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. Saying deep down, when we have this fear of losing connection, we fight for it by doing what we think needs to be done. We emotionally attack or emotionally withdraw and we don't really get down to the root issue. And we water it the way we think we should water it. In marriage and families, conflict is a good thing if it's constructive conflict. And it's constructive conflict if you're fighting for connection. But if you don't realize that's what you need most and your greatest fear is losing connection, you won't be fighting for connection. You'll fight to get your way to fix the other person, to fix the relationship. You'll fight to win and you'll lose. We really have only two ways of protecting ourselves and holding onto our connections when we don't feel safe and connected. The first way is withdraw. Avoid conflict and conversation about deeper things. Try to numb our emotions, shut down, freeze up. Try to deny our deep need for connection because we don't want to admit that we could be hurt. And the other is to listen to the fear and anxiety rising up within us and fight for a response, fight for a reaction, fight to be seen. Attack the person to get a reaction. Attack so they'll react because you're afraid of losing connection. You see, usually couples don't even see it's the fear of losing connection that creates most arguments. So they argue over surface level things and never get down to the root. So the second thing is I have to recognize the disconnection dance. I have to recognize when the spiral starts because what's so devastating is that if you get stuck in that spiral and you come back to that spiral over and over again, this disconnection dance, it destroys your relationship a little at a time. It just creates a little more distance, a little more distance, a little more distance until it feels really hopeless. And so when you're losing connection, one partner usually reaches out and wanting connection One partner senses it quicker than the other. They reach out and they attack, wanting the other person to react. And then the other person withdraws. And then that makes the other one attack even more. The other person withdraws even more, attack more, withdraw more. It just goes on like that. It's the disconnection dance that you see in so many marriages. You see it in families. You see it with parents and children, parents and teenagers, you, you see it over and over again in close relationships. Dr. Sue Johnson and Kenneth Sandifer in their book, Created for Connection, says when we get no emotional response from a loved one, we are wired to protest. It's all about trying to get a response because of the fear of losing connection. One partner will actively protest by demanding, criticizing, attacking. The other partner will passively protest, quietly protest by withdrawing and disagreeing with all the criticism by taking their ball and going home. And that's what happens over and over again. Once you have that fear of losing connection and needing emotional support, the one who tends to attack, and and many times I would say that this is the, the woman in the marriage relationship. I don't know why exactly. I think women might be a little more sensitive to losing connection. Some women are, and then I think our culture kind of, you know, promotes that, but basically, usually it's the wife in a marriage relationship that starts sensing the losing of connection, and then they get more emotional and try to, you know, uh, get a reaction, maybe criticize or attack, because, I mean, anything is better than nothing, and then the other just hears how they're failing and can't do anything right, and they freeze up, they withdraw, they shut down, or they avoid, and that means the more the other one will attack, and then the more... The one will freeze and withdraw. Now, if you're the attacker, I think that's really, uh, it's not good, but it's, I think the other one's probably worse because at least you're doing something, you know? And, you know, it, nothing's more frustrating than when some, the other one is withdrawing and not doing anything. I know Chris can tell you that. She, um, you know, is the one in our relationship that becomes more sensitive to that, that disconnection, and, and she sees it. I fear it probably more than she does, but she senses it, and maybe she'll, 
you know, be demanding or, you know, attacking or saying something like, I need you to talk to me. I need you to, and, and I would draw more. But that's what we used to do. And God has really given us a huge breakthrough to see what this thing is all about. So if you're an attacker, pat yourself on the back for your attack because that's probably a little better than the other, but it's not much. But God wants to speak this to you in Colossians 3.8. But now put off all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth because those don't help. They just push the relationship further apart. Now, if you're a withdrawer, this one's for you, Ephesians 4.26. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as a fuel for revenge and don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. He's saying, stay in it. You know, I mean, don't just withdraw. Don't just, you know, go to bed at night and you're angry and you're still holding that in because it turns into the poison of bitterness and it destroys relationships. This whole disconnection dance destroys a lot of marriages. So I've got to recognize the disconnection dance. And if you're the one who's being attacked, you need to understand the reason why your mate or that friend or that family member is attacking and not doing it in the right way is because they care deeply about you and they care deeply about the relationship. It's so important to them that they're freaked out, they're scared because of the disconnection. They're scared because it's so important and, and they desperately wanna be in connection with you and it scares them. So they're doing it the wrong way but it comes out of a heart of you're important to them, they need you. And if you can see that, that begins to change everything. And if you are the one who is married to someone who withdraws, you're the attacker and they withdraw, you need to understand the reason why they withdraw is because they feel like they don't have what it takes to really meet your needs. They don't deserve you because they can't meet that need and it makes them feel like they're a failure and they desperately want your connection. And so they think if I just withdraw and don't try, I, or at least I won't mess it up anymore. And if you can understand that, that they care so much about the relationship and you're so important to them and they need you so desperately, they're just afraid if they say or do anything wrong, it could be really bad. If you understand that, then you, wow, that, that changes everything. Then you get down to the root issue. Chris and I, you know, we come to the place now where we'll start this disconnection dance. She'll move forward with emotion because she feels distance and she cares so deeply and then I'll step back because I want to withdraw because I feel like I, I don't know how to connect and it's scary and, and we stop, we go, wait a minute, we're doing it again, aren't we? Because you're usually arguing over an issue but that's not why you're arguing. And it's just the fear of losing connection. We're doing it again. It's the disconnection dance. We're doing it again, and we can even smile about it, laugh about it, and go, okay, we gotta stop. And then what do you do next? You risk admitting your deepest need rather than attacking or drawing. I have to risk admitting my deepest need. So you respond to deep emotional need with emotional presence, and that's why for some of you husbands, when your wife pours out to you you know, uh, this hurt that's going on in her life and, and this stress that she's having at work or with the kids or whatever it may be, and she's pouring out all this stress to you, and you go, oh, okay, well, that's an easy one. You do this, this, and this. I'll help you with this one or do this. I'm gonna write it all down for you. See, I can do that. I can write it all down. It will alliterate. It will look a lot like a sermon, and I'll hand it to Chris. That's not what she wants. Because you can't meet an emotional need with an intellectual answer. That's dumb. And that's what happens in a lot of marriages and families and friendships. They're not connecting on an emotional level. They're just trying to solve a problem, and it's really not the problem. It's that emotional engagement. Look how Jesus did it in Luke 18, 40. It says, and there was a blind man in Jericho who was crying out for Jesus, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Everyone told him to just sit down, be quiet. You're causing a scene. Jesus doesn't care about you. You're not important, but what happens? When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. So Jesus, in the middle of this crowd, and he's busy. He's on his way to the cross, by the way. 
thinking about the cares of the world, and he stops for this blind beggar and comes right up to him, and he engages him emotionally. And you gotta stop all the busyness. You gotta stop your chaotic schedule to be able to emotionally connect with someone. And so he stopped, and he, he met an emotional need with an emotional presence. He was right there, and he talked to him. One-on-one, he heard from him. And then Jesus said, what is it that you need? And the blind beggar could have mentioned a lot of things. He could have said, well, I'm homeless. I need a place to live. He could have said, I don't have a job. I need a job. I don't have any money. I need some food. But what did he say? My deepest need is I want to see. I want to see. And Jesus healed him. And so in a relationship, I want to get right to the place where I can admit my deepest need. And, but in our society, we're taught not to be needy. We think it's a bad thing that we need emotional connection. But we have to admit our need for connection. And that's a risk because it makes us vulnerable to say, you know, I, I need you to hold me right now. It scares me that we have distance. I, I need you just to listen right now. And I need to be seen. I need, that's scary because we don't like to admit how much we need emotional connection. We don't like to admit how much we need another person. That's one of the things that I used to always have a lot of problems with, opening up and being connected to Chris emotionally because I was just afraid of, of how much I love her and how much it hurts when something's not right with us and how much I need her. I mean, it just, you know, just those feelings, you know, when I would feel that some, it would just be scary because overwhelming. And so to be able, I have to be able to admit that need and that I'm scared. And she has to be able to admit, I need you. I, I need you to hear me. I need you to see me. And so you admit your deepest need, and that is really scary. It makes you vulnerable because we don't want to admit that. We want to focus on the surface problem and get, we're afraid to get down to our need because we're not supposed to be needy. We're not supposed to be emotionally needy in a relationship. It's not the way it's supposed to work. In our society, our culture keeps relationships shallow and keeps them out of the depth of fellowship. We have to humble ourselves and admit that we have needs. And then there's the fourth thing, resist judging and focus on understanding. This is really important because Usually we want to judge each other's feelings or judge attitudes and actions and one judges by withdrawing, okay, I've had enough. The other one judges by criticizing. And, but don't judge, just focus on understanding. I used to always judge Chris's feelings. She'd say, I just feel hurt when you do this. I just feel this. And I go, oh, no, 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 that's wrong because I didn't mean it that way at all, so you're Okay. She'd be like, uh, that didn't help me a bit. And I'd go, but, but I don't understand. I mean, no, don't feel that way. Don't worry about it. Didn't mean it at all. That was her, her feelings are true because they're her feelings. Feelings are meant to be felt, and feelings are feelings. And so they need to be admitted and talked about. And, so, and the thing is, you don't have to judge feelings. They can be right or wrong. Who knows? But they're feelings. And so it's... And so I've learned, Dr. Paul at Willen Church here, our resident psychiatrist, has really helped us with this and so many things. You know, our counseling ministry is amazing. You know, people come from all over to go to our counseling ministry and, and have biblical therapy and counseling, and it's amazing what God is doing. But, uh, but one of the things that Dr. Paul always teaches about is reflective listening. That is, you know, when... Your mate says, well, I just feel this way and I get so frustrated about this and I just, uh, and then you just repeat back, so you feel this way when I do that. Or, or it may even be like, well, I'm so mad because you do this, you do that. And, okay, so you feel really angry because I'm, I did this. Mm, that, must, that must really feel frustrating. Or that must feel really isolating. That must feel really rejecting. And to really stop for a moment and, and, and feel where they're coming from instead of going, whoa, that's all wrong. What are you doing? Accusing me. No, it's, it's not about right or wrong. It may be totally wrong, but it's about understanding. 
You see, that's where people get into this loop and couples get in this loop. We just want to defend ourselves. We want to judge the other and defend ourselves, judge the other, defend ourselves. And I'm telling you, that never works. But what does is what God says. 1 Peter 3, 7, he says, similarly, similarly, you husbands should try to understand the wives you lived with. Now, focus on the word try. Try to understand. I love that because... He's admitting you'll never be able to understand her, totally. But if you try, and here's the great thing, men, you know, you get credit for trying. I think she kind of knows you'll never be able to understand her. You're not smart enough. But if you try, and so what you want to focus on is not trying to understand, but you want to be understand. I don't have to understand everything about Chris. Chris doesn't have to understand everything about me. She never will. I never will understand everything about her until we get to heaven one day, but it's the attitude of being understanding. And that comes from that reflective listening and an emotional connection. It's not solving problems, it's emotionally connecting. That's what it comes down to. You're not gonna solve your marriage problems until you emotionally connect. And then there's the fifth thing, rely on God's power. Because I have to tell you, everything I've just taught you from God's word, you can't do in your own strength. You know, it's just natural for us to attack or withdraw. It's natural for us to judge and say, you're wrong. It's natural for us to defend. It's supernatural to connect, and that's what God wants. And in James 4.2, it says, you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. That's the first thing you've got to do is say, God, I need your power to love. I need your power to live in the light. I need your power to share my real feelings. I need your power to walk into the light and admit my sins and struggles. I need your power to love the people in my life. Without your power, I can't do it because human love runs out. And the first thing you do is you pray about it. And I know some of you have a spouse who's not a Christ follower, and you're a Christ follower, and you're here every week following God, doing everything you can, and, and you're discouraged. And I just want you to know it, Keep praying. Keep, you've been praying and praying and praying and praying. Keep praying. Don't give up. Just keep loving. Keep praying. And God can work a miracle. We've seen it over and over again. But you leave it to him because he's already working a miracle in your heart and in your life. And for some of you, you're in a mess right now. You've been in this disconnect dance for so long that both of you are withdrawing. And it's time for you to take the risk and dance a divine dance and start that process and be vulnerable. Some of you don't want to admit that you need some help. I think every marriage should have marriage counseling constantly because you're always learning and growing and it's so important you want to water it. Probably, I recommend five days a week, eight hours a day. No, I mean, we have to admit it. We have to admit that we need because it's so important to us. And we have to admit our needs. And only God can give us the power to do that. But here's the great thing, if you're in the middle of a mess right now, that mess is turning you to God because he's the only one. You can't solve the problems. You can't fix the situation. But God can, and only God can, as you cooperate with him and you leave it with him. Let's bow together. Dear God, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for fellowship that you want us to have that with you because you know everything about us. You know us better than anyone and you love us more than anyone. And so Lord, help us walk in the light with you, growing deeper and deeper in our love. And Lord, we ask you to give us your power to love the people in our lives. We need your power to do that, Lord. Otherwise, we're just staying on the shallow surface and we're doing things that are dysfunctional and destructive. But Lord, I pray that we would all admit today that we have dysfunction in our lives, we have struggles, but you can take that dysfunction and use it to bring us to the deepest levels of fellowship. Lord, I pray for those who've never joined the church. They're, they follow you, they love you, but they've never really committed to your family. They've never really, Lord, they love you, but they've never committed to really loving your church your body, your bride, your family. And I pray that today would be the day that stop making excuses and they take that little baby step and join the church. 
And Lord, I pray for those who've never received you as Lord and Savior. There's no way they can love like this without you. I ask you to just give them the faith to pray this simple prayer right now, silently in their heart. Dear Jesus Christ, I need you. I admit it. And I ask for your forgiveness of all my sins. I ask you to come into my life through your Holy Spirit and give me the power to love. Help me, Lord, take the next step and follow you. I accept your free gift of heaven one day and total salvation. We, I thank you for saving me. I could never save myself. Be the Lord of my life and help me follow you from now on. And then, Lord, I pray for every marriage that's in a mess right now, every family that's in a mess. Lord, um, we need miracles. Work miracles in the mess. Give people peace and comfort and strength, knowing that everything's gonna be all right because you're holding them. You'll never let them go. I pray for those who've gone through the pain of divorce recently, Lord, that you would just hold them and let them know that you still have a purpose, you still have a plan, and that you will see them through. I pray for those, Lord Jesus, who marriage is okay, but it's not what you want it to be, that this, Lord, would shake them up and wake them up and take them to that deeper level so they can reflect your love to everyone around them. Lord, we pray for miracles in our families, in our relationships over the next few weeks that only you can do, and we ask you to do it. We believe that you will. We thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's just thank the Lord. If you believe that he can work a miracle in your mess, let's just thank him. When you praise God, barriers come down. When you complain and you gripe and you're not bringing it to God, when I go negative, then I'm building barriers that keeps God from moving in my life. And so we praise him. We're gonna do that in just a moment, Woodland Church, but right now we're gonna give back to God. And the healthiest emotions you could ever have are generosity and gratitude. Being grateful for what God has given you, thanking him for it, and then giving for God's glory. And we give because we love God and we love what he's doing through the ministries of this church. So I really hope that you've kicked off the fall right by putting God first in your finances. Our ushers are gonna come right now and take our offering. If you're a first-time guest, don't feel obligated to give unless you want to. We would love for you to. Um, as we give, let's just pray for God to bless these gifts beyond measure. So much is going on in our world today and we're ministering all over the world in a powerful way. And by the way, you can also give by taking out your smartphone. Just text the word GIVEWC to 77977, and it will take you to our PushPay app, and you can set up recurrent giving. You can also give, if you're at home, go to wc.org give and get it set up. You can mail in your gift. You can give stocks or assets. But here's the thing. Give. And God, when he blesses you, he does it for a reason, for you to be a blessing, to build his kingdom for his glory. You're blessed to be a blessing. And then when you give in faith, saying, God, I know you're gonna keep your word because you tell me that if I give, then you're gonna outgive me. Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You can't outgive God. And so we give because we love him. And then would you pray for the people in Louisiana who are getting ready to be slammed by this Category four, Hurricane Ida, and we understand that in Houston, and they understand that, and the devastation. We have all our disaster relief teams ready to be mobilized, ready to meet needs. We're talking to people on the ground there even now, and, and so I know there's gonna be a time for you to serve, to go to Louisiana. As in Katrina, we set up a camp there and stayed for months and fed thousands of people a day and did so much, and we'll be doing those kind of things again uh, for God's glory. And pray for the people in Afghanistan. Our soldiers who, you know, some lost their life recently and pray for the families. Pray for all the Americans that we get them out. Pray for the Afghan Christians. There's a lot of Christians in Afghanistan. Pray for all the people in Afghanistan who are hurting. And then pray for the people of Haiti after the earthquake. That's so important. Our, our pastors and missions teams there are doing amazing work and just keep praying for those guys in the middle of this or the earthquake and all the needs and 
and challenges there. So many ministries that we have, over 100, but God wants you to be a part of one, to connect in a powerful way. Well, let's stand together, and I want us just to experience God right now. We're gonna sing a song to the Lord, but it's not about the blessings he gives. It's, it's not about the presence that he gives that we unwrap. It's about his presence. And I'm telling you, as we just enjoy his presence right now, I believe God will work miracles. And God is gonna speak to your heart. God is going to move and heal broken places that are deep as we just experience his presence. Because it's his presence that makes all the difference. You can ask all your questions. You can pour out all your anger to God. This is bringing on. But after the last question is asked, he'll still be there. And so as we take just a few moments, this is what I mean by connection. You can't skim on a relationship. Just take just, just five minutes here and just experience God. Just experience God. Just for a few minutes. Not expecting anything from God, but just to be with God. Whenever I would go on a trip when my kids were young and I would come home, I would always bring them a little, little gift, a little toy, you know, from wherever I went. And they would always be excited about that. You know, Dad, Dad, you got a toy, right? Yep, yep. But they were a lot more excited about me being home. My presence was what they really wanted, what they really missed, not the presence I could give them. And I'm telling you, it's God's presence is what you need more than the things that he's gonna do for you this week. You need his presence, and he will be with you, and he's here right now. He inhabits the praises of his people. Let's sing to him. Let's experience God right now. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.